You're listening to The Royally Made, a different kind of podcast helping you grow in power, purpose, and grace. Let's see what it really means to be a royal daughter. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. And I thought it would be a good time to go over uh, 10 different ways that you can love more in your life, whether it's the people that are in your life, your coworkers, your family that you're going to be seeing this holiday season, whatever it is, these 10 things are going to help you demonstrate and act from a place of love rather than reacting in our emotions. This is going to be a lot of different points and a scripture for each point. So I really want to encourage you to have a pen and paper or just write down these scriptures. You can also find them at the link in the description of this episode. Um, You can find all the scriptures there, but I really want to encourage you to not just let this be something you listen to and then get on with the rest of your day, but actually write these scriptures down Look them up in your Bible, journal them, pray about them, meditate on them, and let them be something that gets into your heart so that it actually makes a real tangible difference in your life. The first way that you can show more love in your life is to give without expecting. And I know this is one of those things that we all know is supposed to be part of a gift. You give something without expecting anything in return. And we're coming up on a holiday season where it's all about giving. And yet there are these subtle expectations that we sometimes put on people that we don't realize we're doing. Proverbs 21, 25 through 26 says, A slacker's craving will kill him because his hands refuse to work. He is filled with craving all day long, but the righteous give and don't hold back. As Christians, we should be willing to give without expecting anything in return. And this is sometimes easier said than done because at the very least, we want people to act a certain way to show gratitude of what we've done. But it's truly not a gift if you're expecting anything in return, a reaction, words of affirmation, a feeling, a hug, anything. It can become something where it sneaks up on you and you don't really realize that you're putting that expectation on someone. And especially when it's your friends or family or your spouse or your kids or your parents or someone really close to you, we tend to put more expectations on those people. And so always give it without expecting anything in return. And when you do that, you are expressing the love that Jesus has for that person. The second way that you can show more love to the people in your life is to trust without wavering. We can look at 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And of course, this is in the famous 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, which is known as the love chapter where the Bible basically defines what love is. I think we don't follow through on this one because our trust isn't in God to love other people. Our trust is in how people treat us, right? We put our hope in, well, this person's going to be grateful or this person's going to see me a certain way now or I'm trusting in this because I'm believing it's going to work out a certain way. And too often we're putting our trust not in God, but in how we're expecting God to work everything out. And if this is something you want to hear more about, I did just do an episode on trusting in God's promises versus our timelines. And so I encourage you to check out that episode. I have it in the description. To trust without wavering means that your trust has to be placed in something that is unshakable. And the only thing that is unshakable is God, his character, his love. He is love. 
And so when you're dealing with someone, maybe you're dealing with a difficult person or a difficult family member this holiday season or just a difficult situation at work or whatever it is, stop putting your trust in how you think it's supposed to work out. Because it may not work out the way that you think. Our wisdom is finite. We're not always looking through the lens of God's perspective. But when you put your trust in God and how his love never fails, then you can truly trust without wavering because your trust is now placed on something that cannot be shaken no matter what happens in your life. The third way that you can love the people in your life more is to forgive without punishment. I think this one we all tend to do. I know I tend to do it sometimes too. We say, well, I forgive, but I never forget. And what does that even mean? I mean, it's like, of course you're not going to forget because you're not an unintelligent person. But what that means is I'm saying that I forgive you so that my conscience is clear, but I'm still holding what you did against you. There's a part of us that still wants a little bit of revenge. And so we just want to stick it to them a little bit. In Colossians 3.13, It says that we need to bear one another and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. There's a famous saying that is very true, and that is those who have a hard time forgiving other people have forgotten what they've been forgiven of. And that's just what this verse is saying. Just as Christ forgave you, You need to forgive the people in your life. And so this should make it really simple when it comes to loving other people. Again, it doesn't mean that you trust everyone or give everyone the same amount of access into your life. That's not what I'm saying. But as far as loving other people, forgiving other people, if you're having a hard time forgiving someone, then you've really lost sight of how much Christ had to forgive you and how much he loves you. Because when you understand how much he loves you, then it doesn't matter what someone else did to you. You can freely forgive them because of how much Christ loves you and what he did for you. And that's the only thing that really matters. For unforgiveness is one of the biggest ways that the enemy tries to get access into your life because he can't do anything in your life without having access, right? And we give him access through sin, through bitterness, through unforgiveness, through all sorts of ways. That's why there's a lot of things in the Bible that God warns us about. And it's because he doesn't want us giving that access to the enemy, cracking the door open for him to get his little claw in and start wreaking havoc on your life. And unforgiveness is one of the biggest ways that he does this. And it might seem insignificant. It might seem like it's not that big of a deal, but you know what I'm talking about. When you're around those people who always have a chip on their shoulder, they're always the victim. There's always something that they're dealing with. Drama seems to just surround them, right? And those people tend to be people who have a hard time forgiving other people because they're always holding past mistakes against them. And so if there's someone that you need to forgive, or if there's people that you have forgiven, double check and make sure in your heart that you aren't trying to punish them because it might slip out every now and then, especially if it was big and you just had to forgive them. It might take a little bit of time for you to really truly convince yourself that you've forgiven them and to actually start treating them in a way where you're not punishing them. But make sure that when you forgive someone that you're not holding their past against them, just like Christ doesn't hold your past against you. The fourth way that you can show more love to the people in your life is to listen 
without interrupting. This one is really hard for me, actually, (laughs) and probably is for a lot of girls or for a lot of talkers out there. And the book of Proverbs has so much to say about this. And I would say the entire chapter 18 in the book of Proverbs is a really good one to study if you want to know more about this. But I'm just going to read a a few different verses out of it that talk specifically about listening and not interrupting. It says, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his own opinions. The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. This is probably one of the biggest ways that I have needed to grow in my ability to love people, and especially the people closest to me. I am an introvert at heart, full-on introvert, and so when I'm around a bunch of people, or if I'm around people I don't really know that well, I tend to fall in the background, and I like that. I like being an observer, I like being a part of the conversation, but not really being the one who's leading it, and I'm really comfortable in that way. But when I'm around my really close friends or one really good girlfriend or my husband, who I'm around a lot, I can just almost start word vomiting over everyone. And I know that us girls, we like to do that with each other. When we have a girls' night, we're just talking like crazy and we talk over each other and it doesn't offend us, it, it fuels us somehow and we get excited. And then I talk to my husband and I start to jump in and try to do the same thing with him. And then he gets really offended. He's like, you don't want to listen to what I have to say. You're always interrupting me. And at first I I just thought, well, you know what? He needs to grow up. (laughs) And there's probably some truth to that. Not going to lie. But I really had to uh, see, I started seeing what the Bible said about being slow to speak and quick to listen. And I found that when I'm thinking about this and I'm talking to Jeff and I have ideas come up in my head that I want to say, but I choose to wait and I choose to listen and hear him out, let him finish his complete thought, no matter how long it takes. And by the time I do say something, it's a lot more selective. I've had more time to think about it. And because I waited until he was finished, he receives it a lot better and he's grateful for my contribution. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where you're trying to share something, but you can tell by the look on their face that they're listening, but they're really just waiting for you to be done talking so that they can share their opinion? (laughs) And as soon as you're done, as soon as you leave a little bit of break in the conversation, boom, they swoop in and they start sharing their opinion. And then you're like, okay, I really don't think you heard anything I had to say, but all right. And that's how that feels. And it's really easy to do. And yet we don't mean to. And so one way that you can really show the people in your life love, whether it's a girlfriend, whether it's a parent, or really especially, I'd say your husband or your spouse, it's really important that if you get ideas, hold on to them and just listen to what someone has to say. Hear them out. Let their voice have value in your life. And then when they're done, you can share what you have to say. But try not to interrupt people. And if you do, apologize. I still interrupt Jeff sometimes. And if I catch myself, I'll go, oh, I'm sorry. You know what? Finish your thought. I'm sorry. And and let them finish. It's not something that you have to do perfectly. But if you'll be intentional about it, then the people in your life will feel so much more loved and so much more valued. The fifth way that you can show the people in your life more love is to enjoy without complaining. 
In Philippians 2, in verse 14, it says, Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God, who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like the stars in the world. I find it interesting that Paul says, do everything without grumbling and complaining, right? Not just the difficult stuff, not just the things that we have to do with difficult people, but everything. I think we all know we're not supposed to grumble and complain at work, or we're not supposed to grumble and complain at church, or, you know, there's certain areas where we hold ourselves back, but then in other areas, we just let loose, right? Whether we're with our friends, whether we're with our husbands, whether we're just talking to the checkout girl at the grocery store about our woes, there's nothing wrong with relating to people, but sometimes you need to be careful. There are certain people you can get around where you start complaining and grumbling, and then you just start feeding off each other, and then it grows and it grows and it grows, and now you're upset. Now you feel justified in your complaining and your grumbling, right? Now you realize how someone's wrong and you're right. Paul said that we are to never do that. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. And when you do that, you're going to enjoy your life so much more. But let's not forget that we need to be people who enjoy our lives and enjoy what we have without needing something else in return, without grumbling, without complaining. You know what it's like to be around those people who are just always complaining about something. You don't want to be that person. And the only way you're not going to is if you're intentional about stopping yourself because the flesh naturally wants to complain, right? It kind of feeds your flesh. When you get around those friends who love to gossip, it just makes you want to gossip and it makes you want to just gossip more and more and more because it's feeding your flesh. It's almost like an addiction. And in your own heart, create a a perspective and a mindset of gratefulness and thankfulness to God. And when you do that, you are going to show more love to God and to the people in your life because you're going to be representing the heart of Christ. The sixth way to show more love in your life is to answer without arguing. In Proverbs 17, 1, it says, Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. You know, it's better to have just a crust of bread and have peace in your life than to have a house full of feasting and yet have strife. In a way, the Bible is saying that strife and arguing are more damaging to the human soul than physical hunger. And There's so many people who go through the holiday season and go through the trouble of creating a beautiful feast and amazing food and a beautiful atmosphere and a gorgeous table. They'll spend tons of money on table decorations and making it look perfect. And yet there's so much strife and anger and arguing in that room that it completely takes away what it's supposed to be about. The food doesn't even do you any good because there's so much strife and it can cause so much damage to your soul and to your heart. You know, too often we're just ready to give our opinion because we want to argue. We want to show how someone else is wrong and we're right. There's no point in arguing with people. There really isn't. I mean, unless you're going into a debate, there's no reason to argue with people. There's absolutely no point. You can ask questions. You can have deep conversations, but there's a difference between someone who's wanting to go deep with you and someone who just flat out wants to argue with you. And so just make sure that when you are putting forth your opinion and you are 
contributing to a conversation that you're always thinking, you know what, God, this isn't about me getting my opinion across. How do you want me to respond? How can I love this person? How can I help them? What is it that I need to say that would help their heart right now? Is there something else going on here? And when you approach every conversation like that, you're making it less about you and about your opinions and about your assertions, and you're making it about loving the person in front of you. The seventh way to love more in your life is to promise without forgetting. In Matthew 5, 37, Jesus said, But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. I don't even think we realize how intense those words are. (laughs) Anything less is from the evil one. And we don't look at it that way. We go, oh, well, I know I said there I'd be at 6 o'clock, but, you know, I'm here at 6.05. It's not that big of a deal. And yet Jesus is saying that's of the evil one, right? Basically, that's what he's saying. And it doesn't mean that that you're demonically possessed or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But there's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. And keeping your word is in line with God's kingdom. Going against your word is going with the kingdom of darkness. And we need to realize that this is more important than we even understand that it is. You know, you all have those friends who, you, if you're having a party at seven, you tell that friend we're having a party at six forty-five because you know they're going to be at least fifteen minutes late, right? And it seems like such a little thing, but it's so important. It says a righteous man will swear to his own hurt and change not. And things happen, things come up. It doesn't mean that you can't. You sometimes have to break your word, but you can let people know. You can be responsible and call ahead and say, "Hey, something's come up," but. We need to be people who aren't looking for reasons to break our word, who aren't uh, just kind of slacking off and not taking it seriously. I had a boss when I was working in a restaurant who said something to me one time that really has stuck with me ever since. And it was five minutes early is on time and on time is late. That's just kind of stuck with me. And now I haven't done it perfectly, obviously, but in my head, if I have to be somewhere for work at, at four, I think, okay, I need to be there at like 350, right? And so that's kind of always stuck with me. And I think that it would really benefit us to kind of look at our lives this way of taking our words seriously, because we we tend to compartmentalize our lives, right? We go, oh, well, here's my faith life and here's my personal life. And in your personal life, you're not taking your words seriously, right? You say you'll be there at six, you're there at 630, right? You say that you're going to go help someone do something, you find an excuse last minute, right? You say one thing and yet you never follow through through. And then you turn over into your faith life and you go, I'm believing that by your stripes I'm healed, or I'm believing that you have good things for me, or I'm claiming this in Jesus name. And your heart is going, why would I believe you? You don't keep your word. Why would I believe that your words mean anything now? And then we wonder why things don't happen in our faith life. It's because there is no faith life and personal life. It's a whole one life. It's you. It's your life. And if you want to actually see results in in your, your spiritual life and claiming things by faith, and living a life of faith, then you need to start taking your words seriously. And so this one is not only going to help you, you know, love people more and treat people with respect and honor, but also it will transform your faith life because it really is just one life and how you treat, how you treat your words and how you treat your word is going to affect all of your words. It's going to affect every area of your life. The eighth way that you can show more love in your life is to speak without accusing. In James 1.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to anger. There's such a pattern here of being slow to speak, quick to listen, and this one also adds in slow to anger. And a lot of times when we're accusing people, it's because we feel angry. It's because we feel attacked. And so then we feel the need to defend ourselves. And a quick temper, someone who has a quick temper, it's a sign that they have a real lack of self-control. And self-control is a fruit of the spirit, which means that we have it on the inside of us. It's in our spirit. You have self-control. Now, you may not be exercising your self-control, and so you may not have a habit of doing it, and it may not be something that comes easy to you, but we all have self-control. We just choose not to exercise it. And I know one area for me where I have a very quick temper tends to be in my driving. I can have serious road rage, and I just someone can cut me off, and I just quickly start assuming why they did it. And this used to not bother me. And yet recently I I did it and I just thought, man, this sucks. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be this kind of person. And when you're quick in your temper with one thing, it tends to start to overlap into other areas of your life. So I noticed that I was a little more quick to judge Jeff. I, I was a little more quick, you know, to get angry or to get accusatory at other people because I was letting that happen in other areas of my life. And so one way that you can love people more is that when you do speak to never accuse people, to not be accusatory in the words that you choose. And my husband's been reading a book called Verbal Judo. And in it, there's a, the author is actually someone who used to be a professional negotiator. And he would negotiate hostage freedoms and all kinds of stuff like that. And in it, one thing that he told me that he read that really stuck with him was that you never should use the word why when talking to people, especially in a difficult situation. Because when you ask why, or you say why dot dot dot, like why did you do this? Or why are you saying this? Instantly, it feels accusatory, right? And you may use that word a lot with people and go, well, I'm not accusing them. I'm just asking a question. I'm, I'm just asking a simple question. But when someone uses it on you, they go, why did you say that? Or why did you do that like that? Or why did you not do this? Immediately, you feel accused you feel like you're being attacked and now instead of thinking about what they're actually asking you now you feel like you have to defend yourself right and so in the book they said it's better to use the words how or when you know how did this happen or when did you do this and so you can actually change your words to where you're not coming across accusatory to people but you're able to pull things out and have an honest conversation and actually love that person more in the process nothing makes you feel more unloved and unvalued when you feel like someone is attacking you and accusing you of things and so just keep that in mind when you're having conversations with people to not accuse them of anything but to simply ask questions and be open to what they're going to say. The ninth way to love more is to be patient. And this comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 that says love is patient. Very simple, period, end of conversation. All of 1 Corinthians 13 can really be summed up in love is patient. And again, patience is the fruit of the spirit. So we have it. it. It is on the inside of you. You have patience. We can all be more patient. We just have to choose to use the patience that we have on people. And one of the biggest ways that you can love the people in your life, that you can love your husband, that you can love your friends, that you can love those family members that you're going to see 
this Thanksgiving and Christmas is to just be patient, to let people have room to make mistakes, to not say things right, to figure out what they're trying to say. A lot of times we jump in and we interrupt people, like we said before, because they're taking too long to get their point across. But when you interrupt them, it just makes them feel like they're not very valuable. And it also makes them fluster and feel like they can't figure out what they're trying to say. And so you can show so much love to the people in your life by just exercising this one fruit of the spirit, patience. And when you do that, people are going to feel the love of God coming from you because we live in a very impatient world. And so patience is going to go a really, really long way. The 10th and final way to love more in your life is to learn to let it go. In Ephesians 4, 31, it says, Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. I find it interesting that the parable of the sower, when it talks about the the roadside ground, the rocky ground, the thorny ground, and the good ground, the four different types of, of hearts that we can have, the good ground is the ground that we all want. And yet it's not the ground that had the most things in it. It's the ground that had the least amount of things. And so when we're talking about loving the people in our life and showing the love of God through our life, it's really not about becoming a better person or becoming this really amazing, you know, high level person. It's not about that, but it's about taking out all of the gunk that's in there. All of these 10 tips that we've shared are things that we already do. So giving, trusting, forgiving, listening, enjoying, talking, promising, speaking. These are all things that we do on a regular basis, right? The issue isn't those things. It's what we add on to it, right? Expecting from people, wavering in our trust, punishing people that we supposedly forgiven, right? Interrupting, complaining, arguing, forgetting, accusing, being impatient. Those are the things that we need to remove from our lives in order to really let the love of Christ shine forth. So you don't, you're not trying to become a better person necessarily because this is who you already are. But by taking out all of these negative things that have grown its roots in our heart by uprooting those and taking those out of our heart. Now the love of Christ that's already on the inside of you is able to shine forth uninhibited by all of these other distractions. I hope that this video encouraged you. I know it was a long one, but I really believe that if you meditate on these things and you remove the distractions from your heart, there is nothing that's going to be able to stop the love of Christ from shining forth and impacting the people around you. And then your life is going to have influence and impact everywhere you go. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to leave a rating and a review. And if you would like to hear more episodes from me, then make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you so much. And until next time, remember to write the story of your life well. Thank you so much. And remember until next time to write the story of your life well.